Well, I see that Chrissy Teigen is doing her I was an alcoholic and now I'm sober public relations campaign to explain all of her mean cyberbullying and harassment of people that she didn't agree with politically. I uh, remember she took it a step, well, she took it many steps too far, but finally the uh, the public caught up with me and realized that Chrissy Teigen was an awful, horrible person. Um, and as a result, she was shamed off of Twitter. And earlier today, she's got a post out there, and she's like, uh, then I decided to stop drinking. It's like Chrissy Teigen's uh, hundred, celebrates 100 days sober. What is she doing right now? She's on Kelly Clarkson, Josh, rehabbing her image. This it's It's almost like, Maybe you've heard me say this before. It's almost like Hollywood. If you do something heinous and horrible, if you're a liberal in Hollywood, all you have to do is go to rehab, and that's it. Everything is forgiven. Now, if you're Mel Gibson, you have to be ostracized for the rest of your life. But if you're a liberal and you do things far worse than Mel Gibson did, then you get to go to rehab, and everything is forgiven. That's exactly what is happening right now. So... Uh, voice is a little jacked up today, but I do feel a lot better than I did yesterday. So I, I apologize. The the voice is going to be an issue today, and I'm still stuffed up. So pron- pronouncing, see, I almost said pronouncing, <laughs> pronouncing things is not going to be great either. I uh, do have some interesting news today, and I don't know if this is, I don't, people are sending me messages going, hey, do you know what's happened with Dan Bongino? I don't. I'm not sure what's happening with Dan Bongino. What I can tell you, and I have to look at this during a commercial break, is I did get an alert from Cumulus Media earlier today. And have you set up uh, alerts for, like, uh, media jobs and stuff like that yet, Josh? You haven't hit that stage yet? You still think you're going to work here forever? <laughs> and and as most of you know, there's been a battle between Dan Bongino and Cumulus, because Cumulus is trying to make a vaccine requirement. And uh, Dan Bongino, who is fully vaxxed, by the way, he, he says he's going to quit. He'll quit the company unless, of course... Uh, they dropped that that mandate. But again, he is fully vaccinated. Uh, it's it's just, <laughs> I I don't know, okay? I have no idea what's, what's going on because he's doing some reruns and stuff like that. I don't know. He could just be taking a couple of days off. He does still have some health issues to deal with. Um, but also today, it was announced that Rumble has acquired Locals.com. Now, Locals.com is what? No, it's not a dating app, Josh. Locals.com is a social media network, but it's it's kind of, think of it like a um think of it like oh god, what's that uh uh what the heck is that place where like you have your own private community and then people could pay you? Not only fans, the other one. Why am I drawing a blank on this? Patreon. Yeah, it's like Patreon. But you, you don't you don't have to pay anything. So you have your own community. Yeah, Patreon. Thank you. People on the Discord beat you to it, Josh. Uh, so it's like Patreon, but, you know, so you're a member of, like, certain communities. So it's like that's your local community. So if you want to join Dan Bongino's local community, which he has set up. He's got a little video intro up there at Locals.com if you want to take a look at it. It's kind of like that. Um, I, I looked at Locals, and maybe one day we'll still end up on Locals, but I looked at Locals. I actually reached out to uh, Ruben at the time he was pushing it, and I was like, you know, is there any significant difference between this and Discord? Um, and I didn't really get an answer, so I, I just basically have stayed with Discord. We we have our Discord community, and it is it is our thing, and I don't really feel a need to, uh, to, to go over to Locals yet. I don't have a problem with it. I know a lot of people love Locals, and they're great. 
Um, but at the same time, Rumble, which is where we're live streaming right now, you go to rumble.com slash Casey the host, which Dan Bongino is is an investor in. Uh, Rumble has now acquired local. So Rumble now has a video side and Rumble now owns a social media side. So they have they have both of those main platforms on there. Uh, so if you're again, you're looking to get away from censorship, this is, you know, these are some moves you can make. I'm on Telegram. Telegram has become my primary social media. It's starting to grow, finally. Took a while. Um, but, you know, it, Facebook is, is they censor pretty much everything that I post. They don't allow anybody to see my, my content anymore unless you directly go to my Facebook page. So I'm just on Telegram now. And I'll post on Telegram, and I think most of that stuff feeds over to Facebook. But, you know, it's much better to just follow me on Telegram because then you get the interaction with me. But uh, Rumble did acquire locals today. So that alternate... That parallel economy is starting to build up its social media infrastructure, and it's growing and growing and growing and growing. And I'm sure by sometime today or tomorrow, Gab will be complaining about this because Gab always complains about it. But Gab's another alternative. Uh, Parler kind of treading water right now. Uh, Parler was at one point the biggest alternative uh, until they got taken off of the Internet. So there's some things for you to, to, to keep an eye on out there if you're looking for alternatives to, uh, to not be censored when you're participating on social media. All right, so I want, to, I want to talk about this. I've been talking about this for many, many years. You've heard me say this for many years. Uh, public education doesn't care about parents unless they can blame the parents for their failure of educating your child. And I don't mean you teachers specifically. I'm just talking about the, the big industrial complex of education, right? So the education industrial complex, I guess, is what you would call it. Education, public education does not care about parents. They don't want parents involved. They don't want parents to to contradict what they're teaching in classrooms. They don't want parents' opinions to pervert the minds of their children. They want parents to stay the hell away from from what the public educational system seems sees as their kids. See, if you're a parent, they're not your kids. Your kids belong to public education. You're just there to make sure that they get to public education on time every day. That's it. And again, this is not a direct, you know, assault on teachers, specific teachers, but it's the system. The system does not value parental involvement. The system actively discourages parental involvement. The only time that changes is when a student fails. The moment a student fails, Suddenly, public education, which has done its best to keep the parents away from the kid for the entire school year, suddenly public education blames parents for not being active in their kids' education. That's the only time that teachers' unions or the the Department of Education or anybody in public education in the system of it actually cares about parental involvement. They do not care any other way, shape, or form until your child fails, period. It has been this way my entire academic life. It has been this way my entire media career. It has always been that way so long as I have been alive and predating that. That is just how it is. This is, again, not an indictment of actual teachers in the classroom, many of whom take a very, very dedicated interest in their students. Not most of you, but a lot of you. As I have said before, most teachers are not passionate about their job. Most teachers, it's just a gig. It's a job. It's a job with good job security, good benefits, good livelihood. That's what it is. 
The vast majority of teachers are okay at what they do. Then you have a small chunk that are stellar. And then you have a small chunk that are really bad. But the vast majority are, you know, they're proficient. They're decent. They do their job well. And they go home. But they're not overly invested uh, in the profession. They can walk away at any time because it's not a calling for them. And that's, again, that's not meant to be an insult. I think if anybody's honest with themselves and they look around their coworkers in any school, they will see that the vast majority of the teachers, it's a paycheck. It's a job. It's what they do. Uh, but it's not who they are. Does that make sense? Like you could do all sorts of work, but if it's not in your blood, it's not in your blood. You're collecting a paycheck. And there's nothing wrong with that, and that doesn't mean that you're bad at your job. It's just that the vast majority of teachers go through the motions to get through the day, make sure that the kids do their thing. Uh, we do tend to find, at least in my experience um, in covering this stuff over my career, we do tend to find the really passionate ones tend to teach younger children. So you're, you're you know, kindergarten through probably fourth or fifth grade tend to be really passionate about it. And then beyond that, probably because kids turn into horrendous bleep holes as they get older, uh, beyond that, teachers kind of go through the motions a little bit more. But the teachers who teach younger students tend to be the most passionate about it. Not exclusively, but they tend to be the most passionate about it. And the reason that I bring this up is is not to stir up a hornet's nest like uh, I'm always accused of doing. And like I said, I guarantee you, every time I talk about education, I'll get, I'll get hate mail on it. But the reason I'm bringing this up is I've been telling you this my entire career. Schools do not care about parents. Schools do not want parents involved in their kids' education. They only want to blame the parents if the schools can't teach the kid the way that they want to teach the kid. That's the only time that parents are even relevant in public education. Now, here's, here's my point. This is the Washington Post. Parents claim they have, a, have the right to shape their kids' school curriculum. They don't. Mm. Now, naturally, people have some strong feelings about that article in the Washington Post about how parents do not have a right to help shape their kids' education. Uh, for the record, you do. You're the ones who vote for the school board. Pretty easy to just... They wrote a whole article that could be easily, easily debunk with one sentence but that's what they did the washington post writing this has shocked a lot of people and there's a lot of people like whoa what are you talking about you have to understand something this has been mainstream since hillary clinton said it takes a village this is not something that has been in the shadows this is not new this attitude that the Washington Post has in this article today about parents do not have the right to shape their kids' curriculum. That is nothing new. This is old, but people are acting as if it's brand new. And again, this is one of the blessings of COVID. Part of the reason that people are acting as if this is new is because they've never actually heard it before. Why? Because they were busy with their day and they didn't have to deal with homeschooling. They didn't have to deal with actually seeing what their kids' curriculum looked like. And because of COVID, more parents are aware. And as a result of them being aware, they are now more invested than they have been in a long time. Because if we're honest with ourselves as a society, the government said, make sure your kids get there at 630 in the morning. We'll take care of the rest. And parents did it. That was it. Parents got lazy. Parents turned their kids over to the system. The system started failing those kids. 
The system started using propaganda to mold those kids. And eventually, COVID allowed parents to figure out what was going on and realize that people like me were not conspiracy theorists. And as a result, some people are shocked by the Washington Post. You realize that the teachers unions have been saying this crap since the 1980s, right? I'm going to prove that to you coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Get ahead, start on your holiday shopping with Impress Jewelry Creations, their Buy More, Save More sale. You'll enjoy significant savings on almost the entire in-store collection. You can save 10% on your purchase up to $500, 15% up to $1,000, and you can save 20% on purchases over $1,000. At Impress Jewelry Creations, again, they make they take the time to understand your celebration and the meaning that it has for you. And if you're going to be doing this for the holiday season, this is the this is the way to do it. And you're going to go get that. Here's the thing. This is important. Okay, I keep saying this. I reiterate this for a reason. You already know who that one person you're going to buy this piece for is. Buy this thing first. Everybody else who's on your, your holiday list, everybody else becomes secondary. Put your time and attention in the most important thing. That's what you go to Impress Jewelry Creations right now. You buy this first, then you get the other stuff after that. That way you don't you don't get to a point where you can't do what you really want to do for that special someone. So go to Impress Jewelry Creations first, whether you're looking for an exceptional diamond, an exquisite gemstone, uh, maybe you're looking, maybe you're looking to propose. I hear that a lot of people propose around Christmas. It's easy to remember the anniversary that way, Josh. So you could go to Impress Jewelry Creations and get that engagement ring. Or maybe you want to get a, you know, a wedding band to match the engagement ring, which is often kind of difficult to do. But Impress Jewelry Creations has the ability to do that. So go to Impress Jewelry Creations. They're buy more, save more sales. Stop in today. Certain exclusions do apply, but make sure you let them know that I sent you. They're located in Granger next to C. Kramer Interiors and online at ImpressJewelers.com. All right, so... Let's take a let's take a look at at some of this stuff, and and I've tried I've tried telling people this thing. You know, go back like the red for ed thing, and you know, again, there's a lot of teachers who did the red for ed thing because, well, they're like, yeah, education's great, you know, and and yeah, we want to make sure that we have resources and stuff. What they didn't know is that red for ed was started by a communist. That's not an exaggeration. He's an admitted communist, and red for ed was a communist movement that a bunch of teachers participated in. And a lot of them didn't realize, because I've spoken with several of them post that, they didn't realize that it was a communist propaganda ploy, but that's exactly what it was. And unfortunately, a lot of them basically became pawns and patsies in that whole thing. A lot of what you see in education, yes, the school boards that I have talked about ad nauseum on this show. I think I talk about school boards more than any other person in the media in the entire country uh, my entire career. And the reason for that is I've always understood how important they were. And I've always understood how neglected those races are by the voters. And I'm hoping, and based on what I'm seeing certainly here locally, that is not going to be the case going forward. That's what I'm hoping for, because people now understand what has been happening. But the teachers' unions, the teachers' unions, folks, have never cared about your kids. Ever. 
This is not something that they they care about. Now, there might be teachers who care about your kids. And yes, they might be members of the union. I'm not talking about them. I'm not talking about the rank and file. I'm talking about the union officials and administrators. That's who I'm talking about. The union doesn't care about kids. I've always used this example as, as the easiest way for me to sum this up. And I'll play some audio so you can hear it from their own mouths. Okay. When I was in Washington State, there was final exams. Now, if you don't know, you should know, final exams directly for your senior in high school directly um, impact your collegiate career. If your final exams don't go off, you don't get the right grades, you don't get into certain schools, you don't get into certain programs, it becomes a major event in your life. So what did teachers in, in Seattle do? They went on strike so kids couldn't take their final exams. And they stayed on strike so kids couldn't turn in their scores on time for college admissions the following year. They went on strike and directly negatively impacted the students that they claimed they were so passionate about, about helping into the higher education echelon of our society. They deliberately, deliberately chose to harm students and potentially their futures because they wanted more pay. They didn't hold out at the beginning of the school year so that the beginning of school was delayed the next year where it wouldn't permanently impact students. No, they chose the most damaging thing to the students, the most damaging time to go on strike. That's what they did. They made that decision. Nobody else did. They made that decision. But I've always said before, you know, the Washington Post writes this article and says, hey, parents have no right to... to uh, impact their child's curriculum, which is nonsense, because you can certainly homeschool. You can move them to a charter school. You can move them to a private school. That's all parents' rights to do, which impacts the curriculum. But again, you vote on the school board. I'm going to play you some sound bites, and I'm going to give you some quotes from teachers, union officials, and presidents throughout the years that they have said about education and your kids, just so you understand. They don't care about your kid's education. That's not important to them. Your child is merely a pawn in the system. It's about money, it's about power, and it's about politics. It always has been. MNC News Time is 3.31. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful, uh, meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. All right, I want to take you back in time to 2013. <clears throat> now, this is, you probably won't even remember this lady, Melissa Harris Perry. Melissa Harris Perry was, at the time, a brand new MSNBC host. And her show didn't last very long. It was terrible. It got canceled. Uh, but this promo caused a lot of controversy. And the reason, again, I'm bringing this up. Washington Post wrote an article that says, Parents, you do not have a right to influence your kid's curriculum. But this isn't new. There's a lot of people acting like this is new. It's not. This has been mainstream since Hillary Clinton said it takes a village. So this is, you cue up my audio for me, Josh. This is the incoming MSNBC host, Melissa Harris-Perry, who did not last very long. Her show was terrible. Her ratings were terrible. And part of it was this promo turned so many people off to her show. But I want you, I want you to listen to what she said in 2013 
as her show is getting ready to start airing on MSNBC. We have never invested as much in public education as False. we should have because we've always had kind of a private notion of children. Your kid is yours and totally your responsibility. Mm. We haven't had a very collective notion of these are our children. Mm. So part of it is we have to break through our kind of private idea that kids belong to their parents mm. or kids belong to their families and recognize that kids belong to whole communities. Once it's everybody's responsibility uh -huh. and not just the households, then we start making better investments. Oh, yeah. So she's an idiot. Okay. Um, no, my, my kids are my kids. It is my responsibility to feed my children every day. It is my responsibility to make sure that my kids are doing their schoolwork and everything else. It is not yours. It's not Josh's. It's nobody else's. But here's the, the reason I'm playing this. Is she relevant in any of this? Not really, but she is a, she's a symbol of the culture that the media has been pushing for a long time in conjunction with teachers' unions. The idea is... Your kids aren't yours. You're just the parent. Feed them at home. Get them to school on time so we can fill their heads full of stuff that we want to fill their heads with. You don't have any right to know what gender your kid is, is calling themselves that day. You have no right to know if your kid is, is pregnant. You have no right to know if your, your child is going to get an abortion. You have no right to know what medications we give them at school because they come to us in secret. You don't have any of those rights. You're just the parent. Your job is purely to get them on school, on time. If you don't get them to school, we will arrest you. We'll charge you with a crime if you don't get them to school. And then stay out of our way while we educate your kids. And then if the kid fails, well, it's mom and dad's fault because they weren't involved in the kid's education. Always been this way. Always. Melissa Harris-Perry, short-lived MSNBC host, was just... A perfect example of how the news media pushed that. That was the first promo for her forthcoming new show in 2013. That's how she chose to introduce herself to the entire world. Nobody knew who she was. And the first thing out of her mouth was, your kids don't belong to you. All right, let's, let's go ahead and take a look at some other stuff here. Um, what do we have? <clears throat> Let's go back in time quite a bit. And again, this is where the teachers union and the teachers unions have always said this. The problem is that they say this in private in their their meetings and things like that. So the average person just does not know that this is going on. I would I would venture to say that the average teacher doesn't know that it's going on. The average teacher just assumes that the teachers union keeps keeps them having you know decent pay, decent benefits, make sure they don't get fired for no reason, that sort of thing. They don't understand all the other aspects of it. And I've been over the uh, the, the teachers unions, uh, political donations and things like that quite a bit. I just did that again uh, two weeks ago, Josh. I think we did that. So they give way more money than most industries do to politicians. And it's all one way. It goes to the blue party. That's it. It doesn't go anywhere else. Now, the reason that, again, I'm, I'm discussing this is because of the Washington Post article that says parents do not have a right to have a say in their kids' curriculum. It's not true. So in 2009, the National Education Association lawyer Bob Channon was going to retire, and the NEA wanted to play it up nice, give him a nice speaking position at their annual convention, and this is what he said. Cue my audio again, Josh. This is what he said. This is what, this is what the NEA, the National Education Association's lawyer, Bob Channon, had to say about teachers' unions and what their mission is. And that brings me 
to my final and most important point, which is why, at least in my opinion, NEA and its affiliates are such effective advocates. Despite what some among us would like to believe, it is not because of our creative ideas. It is not because of the merit of our positions. It is not because we care about children, and it is not because we have a vision of a great public school for every child. NEA and its affiliates are effective advocates because we have power. And we have power because there are more than 3.2 million people who are willing to pay us hundreds of millions of dollars in dues each year because they believe that we are the unions that can most effectively represent them, the unions that can protect their rights and advance their interests as education employees. All right, he would go on to say, he goes, yeah, 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 you know, good schools and stuff like that is important too, but not at the expense of our members. That's a bridge too far, he said. All right, that, that's, that's him retiring in 2009. Uh, let's see, California Teachers Association. When was, uh, when was this? Okay. Uh, as we celebrate the 150th anniversary of the CTA, we must remember that we were founded for one reason and one reason only, and that was to engage in politics. Huh. You would assume that a teacher's union's job was to advocate for education and make sure that the best teachers were being put in the classroom. But you got multiple union representatives saying, saying no. Mary Hatwood Fittrell, 1982, president of the NEA. The major purpose of our organization is not, not the education of children. It is, or ought to be, the extension and or preservation of our members' rights. We earnestly care about the kids' learning, but that is secondary to the other goals. Which is just what Bob Channon just said in, in, in his retirement speech in 2009. You can, you can go back in time to some of the some of the other statements and everything else, but it, it is important that everybody understand this. It, you know, the teachers unions were an extremely powerful lobby in this country. And their relationship with the news media, another powerful lobby in this country. For a very long time, they have not been advocating for your child's well-being or your child's education. They have been advocating for political power and they have been advocating for money. They have not been advocating for the best for your child, which is exactly why you see them do things like we saw pop up with CRT all over the country, uh, Common Core, which has been a disaster already. And then, of course, you just look at the stuff that happened in Loudoun County. Right, Loudoun County, again, we find out that uh, this transgender student did, in fact, rape this girl. has been convicted now. The dad trying to call attention to that at a school board meeting was was basically roughed up by, by police there. The school board said they didn't know anything about it. We now have emails. They all knew about the rape, and they lied to the public about all of this. And what was being said all the time from the same people that have been pushing this propaganda on, on you and your children for all of these years, oh, they're all lying in Loudoun County. These parents are crazy people. And this led to the NSBA going out there and saying, oh, yeah, they're domestic terrorists. And then we find out that the NSBA was working with the Biden administration before that letter was released and that the White House was involved in it before the White House 
went and hit, set the uh, Department of, of Justice, excuse me, Department of Justice after these parents. And now that gets discovered. Washington Free Beacon does a, does an article on it. And suddenly the NSPA is apologizing, saying there's no justifiable reason to call them domestic terrorists. Which is interesting because the news media had just been spending several weeks saying nobody ever made that claim. What are you talking about? I know that we talk about education issues a lot on this show. And I know that this is just another example of that. But people have to be reminded, this is not a new fight. What makes it new is that people are actually aware of what is happening in the classroom with their child. And they are mobilized because of it. Now they're arresting parents who went to work and uh, left some of their kids home alone. 11, 12-year-old kids, things like that. I was, I was, Josh, I, you're younger than I am, but were you ever left home alone at you know, 12, 11, 12 years old? That was normal for us. It was normal. I walked to school when I was eight, like two miles. Walked to school, came, walked home from school, home by myself. Mostly, that was normal. Everybody was. Parents were working. Now, now you get arrested for that. It's, I mean, it's insane stuff. You tell the parents... Their kids can't go to school, and then you tell the parents that they can't go to work. What, what are they supposed to do? This is not a new fight. And again, just you have you need to understand the Washington Post thing. I know that some people are relatively new to this, but the Washington Post thing today about parents not having a right to their child's curriculum—that is not a new discussion. That is not a new debate. They have felt that way since the 1980s, and they have been coming for your kids the entire time. 45 communist goals. You go back to 1958 and the stuff that Cleon Skousen wrote in his book about taking over education. All of it to a T. More coming up, 95.3 MNC. I went late in the last segment. This is an issue that irritates me like you wouldn't believe, but... It had to be said, had to be done. We got a lot of updates on the the shooting situation with Alec Baldwin. And also, I'm a little upset with some of you and how you've been behaving about all of that. We'll talk about that and more coming up on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, and on Rumble at Casey the Host.